0: A liberal is someone who opposes every war except the current war and supports all civil rights movements except the one that's going on right now. Liberals themselves also play the role of a bottleneck for any kind of progressive momentum in this nation. You have the capacity not to be this person. But it comes from, obviously, engaging in self-criticism and looking within. Yeah, let's get started on MLK. And his legacy. There is probably no civil rights leader, like every single civil rights leader that was successfully whitewashed throughout history has turned into a commodified version of of what they actually believe, what they stood for it's never adjusted to the time frame in the time of his assassination mlk had a i mean mlk was deeply unpopular by the time of his assassination in the united states of america so the notion that he was always like loved a beloved civil rights figure is complete nonsense they lie about that all the time obviously he was very popular amongst the the black community and uh you know amongst radical socialists however the the notion that uh the notion that he was like beloved and everyone was really sad is bullshit And to this day, the institutions that played a role in his assassination, like the FBI, shamelessly uh, dish out his legacy in a completely whitewashed version. I mean, it's, it's unimaginable, but this is white supremacy in action. It's a perfect example. It's a perfect demonstration of white supremacy in action. The very same institution that played a role in the assassination of this beloved, well, Uh, controversial at the time, but now beloved civil rights leader can just go ahead and say this hashtag MLK day, the hashtag FBI honors one of the most prominent leaders of the civil rights movement and reaffirms his commitment to Dr. King's legacy of fairness and equal justice for all. They do it every year. And guess what? It's shameless, but why would they care? there's no repercussions for it. Love that this year Israel has also gotten in on the fun themselves as they are currently committing an ethnic cleansing campaign in Gaza. Israel has utilized Martin Luther King's legacy to whitewash their own ethnic cleansing campaign. Wonderful stuff. Okay, not a hint of irony there whatsoever. As always, many of the people that uh are liberals themselves who will turn around today and uh you know when they're when they're done championing america's bombing of yemen or when they're done championing whatever kind of american imperialism that has to happen in a complex way they will turn around and unironically showcase their favorite mlk quotes or whatnot despite the fact that at the time if they were adjusted to the civil rights movement they 100 would be the same radical anti-communists that they are right now because Remember, MLK was a democratic socialist. MLK also was an anti-imperialist as well. Now, on the issue of Israel, uh, you know, he, he had some different opinions, certainly. We can get into that if you want. I believe that when Amy Schumer was, like, posting that quote, A lot of people were actually very upset at her, including uh, MLK's uh, granddaughter. Uh, Anyway, it's disgusting. It's gross. It's done every year. We understand, all of us together, collectively understand when Republicans do it, but sometimes when liberals do it, we can't fully comprehend why it is indecent for liberals to do this in the exact same way. And today, we are going to look at some of the worst bastardizations of MLK's legacy by those who 100% would have been against them or are still kind of you know against his movement in general but uh will use uh, some of his quotes to their advantage. On this MLK day remember the radical socialist anti-imperialist MLK that liberals and conservatives erase from history.
1: I think the other thing that uh, we must see at this time is that many of the people who supported us in selma in birmingham were really outraged about the extremist behavior toward but they were not at that moment and they are not now committed to genuine equality for it's much easier to integrate a lunch counter than it is to guarantee an annual income for instance to get rid of poverty for and all poor people it's much easier to integrate a bus uh, than it is to make genuine integration a reality and quality education a reality in our schools it's much easier to integrate even a public park than it is to get rid of slums and i think we are in a new era a new phase of the struggle where we have moved from a struggle for decency which characterized our struggle for 10 or 12 years to a struggle for genuine equality and this is where we're getting the resistance because there was never any intention uh to go this far people were reacting to bull connor and to jim clark rather than acting in good faith for the realization of genuine equality
0: yep it's important to recognize on this mlk day martin luther king jr's letter from birmingham Jail. The reason why I love posting this and I do it every single year is because there are a lot of liberals out there who behave in this exact same way and refuse to recognize it. And it's oftentimes in identical terms, too. Like, not just necessarily a white moderate when it comes to tackling some capitalist hyper-exploitation or whatever, but instead directly behaving like a white moderate when it comes down to any kind of emancipatory movement. So here is Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from Birmingham Jail. Here's a little bit of a background on the issue. He penned his letter from Birmingham Jail. Uh, Birmingham City Jail, he and others were being held for violating a court order against parading, demonstrating, boycotting, trespassing, and picketing, according to the Denver Post article on it. The letter was written in response to a call for unity, a letter composed by eight local white clergy members. Their letter called for an end to anti-segregation posts in Birmingham, Alabama, and to find proper channels to achieve a better Birmingham Remember, the eight local white clergy members Clergy members said, hey, how about you don't protest? How about let's, uh, let's get together and let's find a, a better solution? I'm just going to give you the short and sweet of it and the most uh, prescient, most important parts of it. Here's what he wrote. While confined in here in Birmingham City Jail, I came across your recent statement calling my present activities unwise and untimely, he wrote to the fellow clergyman. I'm going to put this on streamer terms for you because I'm a goofy guy and I'm silly as hell. Martin Luther King Jr. responded to the trolls, which you're not supposed to, but hey, guess what? He posterized them pretty well, so obviously this is yet another work of his that has gone down in history that uh, people oftentimes forget about and refuse to talk about, as a matter of fact. Or if liberals don't actually completely avoid this part of history and his sentiment here and what it actually means and why it's still prescient, sometimes they literally use it. Like Hillary Clinton, if I recall correctly, Hillary Rotham Clinton herself used the white moderate line in the past, which is insane to me. MLK Jr. said, I had hoped that white moderate, that the white moderate would understand that law and order exists for the purpose of establishing justice and that when they fail in this purpose, they become the dangerously structured dams that block the flow of social progress. This is a subtweet. That's what Hillary Clinton said. In 1967, Ben Norton responds, Martin Luther King Jr. spoke out against the war in Vietnam, calling the U.S. government the greatest purveyor of violence in the world. Martin Luther King Jr. was 100% an America bad activist. If any of you have any confusion on that front, let me tell you something, okay? The same dumb motherfuckers who chirp all day every day that would be running around right now going, oh, we must bomb Yemen to protect commerce, sir are the exact same people that would be turning around and be like, this guy, man, this guy, he doesn't know what's up. He doesn't understand. We have to keep fighting in Vietnam. You don't get it. Why is this guy's criticism just always revolving around America bad, America bad. What a radical he is, which is, let me tell you, exactly what the New York Times wrote about. The New York Times editorial board directly wrote about this precise issue at the time when MLK Jr. finally came out and was very outspoken about the war in Vietnam. So just something to remember, something to consider when thinking about MLK's foreign policy. He was a big Ho Chi Minh head. He loved Uncle Ho. He Put some respect on it. Moreover, I'm cognizant of the interrelatedness of all communities and states. I cannot sit idly by in Atlanta and not be concerned about what happens in Birmingham. Because injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Remember that. You deplore the demonstrations taking place in Birmingham. But your statement, I am sorry to say, fails to express a similar concern for the conditions that brought about the demonstrations. How interesting how this works still to this day. This is precisely why I say this is one of many things that MLK wrote and said That are profoundly prescient, unfortunately, because many of the issues that he called attention to have not been solved. Maybe some of it has been cast aside on some on certain circumstances. There has been marginal improvements, incremental gains here and there. But overall, the class struggle, of course, continues and also racial violence and disproportionate uh, disproportionate outcomes for uh, those who are non-white still exist. Which is why we still keep reading it because it's not only the reactionary conservative that votes for Donald Trump or votes for the Republicans that votes against his best interest because he thinks at least. We are taking down the other side, the opposition. It's not only those guys that stand in the face of progress. Liberals themselves also play the role of a bottleneck for any kind of progressive momentum in this nation, globally, as a matter of fact. And we'll get to the most important part of it now. In any non-violent campaign, there are four basic steps. Collection of the facts to determine whether injustices exist. Negotiation, self-purification, and direct action. We have gone through all the steps in Birmingham. There can be no gainsaying the fact that racial injustice engulfs this community. Birmingham is probably the most thoroughly segregated city in the United States, and its ugly record of brutality is widely known. Then last September came the opportunity to talk with leaders of Birmingham's economic community. In the course of negotiations, certain promises were made by the merchants, for example, to remove the stores humiliating racial signs. On the base of these promises... The Reverend Fred Shuttlesworth, the leaders of the Alabama Christian Movement for Human Rights, agreed to a moratorium on all demonstrations. As the weeks and months went by, we realized that we were victims of a broken promise. A few signs briefly removed returned. The others remained. And it occurred to us that Birmingham's mayoral election was coming up in March, and we speedily decided to postpone action until after Election Day. When we discovered the Commissioner of Public Safety, Eugene Bull Connor, had piled up enough votes to be in the runoff, we decided again to postpone action until the day after the runoff so that the demonstrations could not be used to cloud the issues. Like many others, we waited. Okay, this is like all of the reasons as to why it got to the point that it did in Birmingham. You may well ask, why direct action? Why sit-ins, marches, and so forth? Isn't negotiation a better path? You are quite right in calling for negotiation. Indeed, this is the very purpose of direct action. Nonviolent direct action seeks to create such a crisis and foster such attention in that community which has constantly refused to negotiate is forced to confront the issue. It seeks to so to dramatize the issue that it can no longer be ignored. My citing the creation of tension as part of the work of the nonviolent resistor may sound rather shocking, but I must confess that I am not afraid of the word tension. So remember that. It is one form of protest, it is one form of direct action that seeks to make you uncomfortable deliberately so that it is impossible to avoid, like the top of the hour ad break, which is very possible to avoid as long as you subscribe. But I must confess that I am not afraid of the word tension. I have earnestly opposed violent tension, but there is a type of constructive nonviolent tension which is necessary for growth. Just as Socrates felt it was necessary to create a tension in the mind so that individuals could rise from the bondage of myths and half-truths to the unfettered realm of creative analyses and objective appraisal, so must we see the need for nonviolent gadflies to create the kind of tension in society that will help men rise from the dark depths of prejudice and racism to the majestic heights of understanding and brotherhood. Now, why is this important? because for many it's not about the methods of protest because everybody loves chirping out the methods of protest they go uh what about this what about that why are you shutting off roads what if an ambulance can get through even though obviously the protesters have a counter for that but what about this and what about that why are you protesting like this you should be protesting differently is actually all done with one goal in mind and that is to shut you the f- up this is precisely why when I hear things about from the river to the sea being inherently anti-Semitic, which is a ridiculous, gross, the a gross smear, just completely, completely laughable. The idea that like the optics of it are actually hurting my feelings, the optics of that are actually my, my feelings personally are more important. What I derive out of what you're saying is more important than what the actual message is. The ongoing genocide must stop. The apartheid regime must be abolished, must be dissolved so that there is one singular secular state where Palestinians and Israelis can live side by side in a real democracy. That is the major point. That is what many oppose. They oppose that, and that is precisely the reason why they hyper-focus on all of this other dumb nonsense. These are the white moderates. Let's get to the more important the, the most important part of this. I must make two honest confessions to you, my Christian and Jewish brothers. First, I must confess that over the past few years I have been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I have almost reached a regrettable conclusion that the black man's great stumbling block in this stride towards freedom is not the white citizens counselor or the Klu Klux Klanner, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative piece, which is the absence of tension, to a positive piece, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods of direct action, who paternalistically believes he can set the timetable another man's freedom who lives by a mythical concept of time and who constantly advises the black man to wait for a more convenient season shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection this is very important to understand if you want to know what a really, really important part of my moral framework is. If you want to understand one of the most profoundly important parts of my moral framework, the way I operate, a lot of that gets lost in the sauce. Many of you are in here already, so you're familiar with what I believe, but maybe you haven't fully understood it. This paragraph right here is one of the most important parts of my belief structure as it pertains to protesting, as it pertains to placing a time frame on another man's justice. Very, very important. This is why I despise centrists This is why I despise charlatans who mask themselves as real arbiters of progress while simultaneously constantly saying, well, now is not the time. Or simultaneously constantly saying, well, isn't there a different way? Or worse, making excuses for the oppressive constructs, making excuses for why things have to remain the same. I had hoped... That the white moderate would understand that law and order exists for the purpose of establishing justice and that when they fail in this purpose, they become the dangerously structured dams that block the flow of social progress. I had hoped that the white moderate would understand that the present tension in the South is a necessary phase of the transition from an obnoxious negative piece in which the black man passively accepted his unjust plight to a substantive substantive. And positive peace in which all men will respect the dignity and worth of human personality. Actually, we who engage in nonviolent direct action are the not the creators of this tension. We merely bring to the surface the hidden tension that is already alive. Now, what does this mean? This is a direct shot across the bow at those who used to say the Black Lives Matter protests are racist, or Barack Obama is the most racist president of all time. Why? Because the reactionary would always say they're pointing out how racist American society is, and that in and of itself is actually causing divisions in American society, not the fact that these structures still remain calcified inside of our institutions. Remember that. This is something even I hear. Obviously, I'm just a dumbass switch streamer i'm not important in any meaningful way in any sort of serious activism i'm just simply stating that even for someone as silly as myself I get hit with this all the time. Hassan, you're so divisive. You're so divisive. Why am I divisive? Because I'm bringing about the dividing issues. I'm talking about things that are important. I'm talking about things that harm people. And yet, that is what's divisive. Not the fact that those issues exist. Because let's be real. If you live in the comfort of privilege, one, equality feels like oppression. And two, Anytime somebody shows you that things are not as good as you think they are or not as good for others, all of a sudden you're faced with that reality and that doesn't feel good. So when you hear that, you have two options. You go, oh my God, I had no idea it was like that. I'm going to take this very seriously and I'm going to change something about the way I view the world. I'm going to take action to hopefully better people's living conditions, albeit marginally. Or you get angry. You shoot the messenger. You get mad and you say, no. No. This person must be wrong. I will seek out information that hopefully corresponds to my implicit biases that this person is making me feel bad and therefore he must be wrong. And that's what people do all the time. They dull themselves. They sedate themselves. They find groups that will reinforce those biases. Yeah, this is like a funny little meme, but it's so correct. And I think about it quite a bit. A liberal is someone who opposes every war except the current war and supports all civil rights movements except the one that's going on right now. It is a phenomenal take. Anyway, we must bring that tension out into the open where it can be seen and dealt with like a boil that can never be cured as long as it's covered up, but must be opened with all of its ugliness to the natural medicines of air and light. Injustice must be exposed with all the tension its exposure creates to the light of human conscious and the air of national opinion before it can be cured. That is the most important part of that article, in my opinion, that the white moderate, that adorns the mantle of pro- progress and progressivism and empathy will so often become a bottleneck for progress from that supposedly progressive side. The great enemy of justice are those moderates who feign outrage. Here, this is a, a, a better paraphrase version of it, but... The great enemy of justice are those moderates who feign outrage at societal injustice, but whose outrage conveniently disappears When real change threatens their status, that is what's important to understand here. These moderates are more comfortable leaving unchallenged the assumed moral authority of certain institutions, traditions, and practices that are the purveyors of injustice rather than confronting their own role in maintaining these institutions. The hard truth is that the comfort of the status quo is always preferable to pursuing the demands of justice. This happens with every single protest, every single civil rights movement globally. And this certainly happens with American empire. It is something to remember and something to remind yourselves of and something to remind others of as well. If you want, like I said, if you want to understand where I'm coming from and what I believe in and what I choose to never be a part of, I never want to be playing the role of the white moderate. Now, this doesn't mean that there aren't reactionary elements in every movement, but I try to see a broader picture every single time I try to look at a situation and I think, what is beneficial to the people on the ground and guess what pretty simple Blowing up one of the poorest countries on the planet is never beneficial for the people on the ground. As MLK grew increasingly radical in his politics, developing an anti-capitalist and anti-imperialist stance, the smearing of him by the media and political class became ever more hysterical. He was denounced as a dangerous communist and outside agitator, and it worked. Here is FBI chief J. Edgar Hoover, calls Martin Luther King the most notorious liar in the country. King's demands become immoral and totalitarian, writes William S. White. Martin Luther King at Communist Training School. The above picture was made by an employee of the state of Georgia at the Highlander Folk School in Monteagle, Tennessee during the Labor Day weekend of 1957. The photographer was sent to the Highlander Folk School by the Georgia Commission of Education. The Highlander Folk School was abolished by an act of the legislature of the state of Tennessee at a later date because it was charged with being a subversive organization. The four horsemen of racial agitation have brought tension, disturbance, strife, and violence in their investment of the communist doctrine of racial nationalism. Even though he's revered today, MLK was widely disliked by the American public when he was killed. 75% of Americans disapproved of the civil rights leader as he spoke out against the Vietnam War And economic disparity. Now, of course, the sad irony of MLK's message, especially not just one of civil rights for black people, but also about economic prosperity and anti imperialism, was a message that was helpful for the very same white working class individuals who, of course, immediately despised him. Immediately. So think about that. As MLK grew increasingly radical, he moved closer to Malcolm X's politics at the same time as Malcolm's embrace of a universalistic socialist policies, uh, politics drew him closer to MLK's vision. This coming together was cut short by Malcolm's assassination. One of MLK and Malcolm's most insightful analyses is that of the harm caused by white liberals who operate as agents of maintaining the status quo and cover this up with symbolic gestures and rhetoric. Here is MLK's famous description of them. We just read it. One thing I want to mention, though, one thing I want to mention for all of you is that, like, you have the capacity not to be this person, but it comes from engaging in self-criticism and looking within. I don't want people to think, like, oh, Hassan says I'm against him. Like, I'm a liberal. I think I'm a liberal. Uh, It seems weird. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not writing you off. I'm simply asking you to... Reach within yourself. If you are watching this on YouTube, if you're watching this later, if you're watching this because somebody clipped me out of context and is yelling about one of my positions and you somehow stumbled across this Twitch channel or one of my videos where this is featured. Remember that you, too, have the capacity to no longer be the white moderate standing in the face of of injustice and siding with the oppressor. Here's Malcolm X's take on, on uh, white liberals. There are many
1: whites who are trying to solve the problem, but you never see them going under the label of liberals. That, that white person that you see calling himself a liberal is the most dangerous thing in the entire Western Hemisphere. He's the most deceitful. He's like a fox, and a fox is, almost, is always more dangerous in the forest than the wolf. You can see the wolf coming. You know what he's up to, but the fox will fool you. He comes at you with his mouth shaped in such a way that even though you see his teeth, you think he's smiling and taking for a friend.
0: Yeah. Why do you always attack liberals, though? If that is your takeaway and you can't comprehend this, I don't know what to tell you. Because I don't always attack liberals. I do always attack conservatives. But there are instances where I must explain to liberals what their position should look like. There are definitely instances where I have to be like, listen, guys, don't be this person. But this video itself shows it. This video is a perfect descriptor because we know the conservatives are bad. And I yell about them all the time. I do hog watch, I belittle them. I humiliate them. I think they're silly. And I think we all enjoy it. But there is certainly a moment where, you know, some of this criticism must be reached within the ranks of those who compare themselves or consider themselves to be progressives. And there are plenty who deserve this criticism because without someone smacking some sense into them, they think that they are doing the right thing. Just a little something on what Lenin said about MLK figures. During the lifetime of great revolutionaries, the oppressing classes constantly hounded them, received their theories with the most savage malice the most furious hatred, and the most unscrupulous campaigns of lies and slander. After their death, attempts are made to convert them into harmless icons, to canonize them, so to say, and to hollow their names to a certain extent for the consolation of the oppressed classes and with the object of duping the latter, while at the same time robbing the revolutionary theory of its substance, blunting its revolutionary edge and vulgarizing it was absolutely right on this this is something that has happened not just with mlk this is also something that has certainly happened with even the likes of nelson mandela and nelson mandela was alive in the lifetime of many who now to this day work desperately in whitewashing his legacy on he was there The very same people that were alive that were probably considering him a terrorist are now talking about how peaceful he was his entire life. Nelson Mandela was not taken off the American terror watch list until 2008. 2008 is when Nelson Mandela was taken off the terror watch list. He had already been democratically voted as leader in South Africa. He'd already successfully dismantled the apartheid in South Africa. And yes, through violent means. For those who don't know, a big point of contention in Mandela's history was the fact that he refused to denounce violence. Time and time again, they asked him when he was in prison, if you renounce violence and you renounce communism, we will let you out. To which he responded with, no. How can you negotiate with me as though I am a man when I'm chained? There is no even negotiation here. I'm in chains. My freedom has been robbed. So that's another thing to always consider when people go, um, you know, Nelson Mandela was a Gandhi type. That is not true. What better confirmation is there of MLK and Malcolm's warning is about liberals and their support for the Gaza genocide. Remember when Biden was protested over it and they started chanting four more years over and over again? Most dangerous species in the Western Hemisphere. That's all right.
1: That's all right. That's all right. That's all
0: right. By the way, there's been a long-standing campaign by deranged Zionists to appropriate MLK's legacy in service of their genocidal occupation regime. But is it, with everything Zionists say, it's a propaganda lie that has been debunked. Excerpts from this article: It's called uh, a letter to a Zionist friend or something. I think it's called or letter to an anti-Zionist friend. It's not real. They just wrote it. It's a hoax. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s daughter uh, or granddaughter, was uh, uh, it her granddaughter or daughter? Actually, yelled at Amy Schumer about this famously when she tried to bring that up. But I mean, this is reductive at this point. It's like we uh, her uh, his daughter, sorry, not granddaughter. Bernice's daughter. It's just like it's it's reductive. It's reductive because like it's always a lie. Everything is a lie. It's just like such flagrantly obvious, gross propaganda that if anyone else was doing it and they weren't like completely along with the American State Department, they would get ritualistically humiliated every single day of the week. They would get yelled at. They would get laughed out of every room. But because the media refuses to acknowledge the lies being told when those lies align with the State Department's interests in the region, then there is never a a, a single thought about it. It's funny because this is all readily available information. It's just not being served to you. So I like to use uh, important points in history, days such as this one, to address some of those ridiculous lies. Something to consider on this day.